I am very grateful for the opportunity to share this message that has been on my heart for quite some time, and it has actually become the theme for our 2018-19 school year. But first, what I'd like to do is to share a story with you. Um, As a teacher, I had a a student in my class. uh, Today, I'm just going to call him Johnny, okay? Right? Isn't that normally uh, how our education stories go? Sorry if your name's John or Johnny. But... Anyways, um, I, I coached Johnny, but then but I also had him in my classes, and getting Johnny to read anything was a struggle. I don't know any of you guys have kids, or you know that real getting them to read is a real struggle. Well, uh, during my homeroom class, Johnny came up to me and said, "Mr. Culpepper, I don't have a book." So I'm thinking, yeah, sure, I've got books. Go snag one uh, in my, my closet over there in my classroom. So Johnny, you know, the huff, eye roll, like, sure, okay, and grabs one out. Well, he spent some time digging around, but um, he grabbed one, and he sat down at his desk and started reading it. And so I'm thinking, cool, Johnny's reading, right? I mean, this was a big deal uh, for, for Johnny. And I saw his face light up, you know, and so now I'm really getting worried. Like, he, this kid's really excited about reading. And he read the whole hour. <laughs> it just, the, the story continues to blow me away. And then uh, the bell rings, and Johnny closes the book, and he runs up to me, and he says, Mr. Culpepper, can I take this book home? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we have found the book that, that Johnny is really excited about reading. Life-changing, right? And so, uh, I should have been worried, right? But he, he leaves my class and then comes in first hour the next day, and he has, he's tugging that book along, and he says, Mr. Culpepper, my mom is ticked at you. And I'm thinking, what? what what's going on? He goes, she can't believe that you're allowing me uh, to read this book or that it even exists in your classroom. And so immediately the story changed for me. I began to reel, okay, like lots of questions going on, like I'm sure you're probably asking questions yourself right now. Um, I grabbed the book, right? I said, first, let me see what book, right? Because um, you can assume, right, that all the books that uh, have either been brought into your classroom and dropped off as your classroom library or all these different kinds of things, that you can assume it's good for kids, right? Um, And there are a lot of things that we assume uh, are are taking place or or that aren't taking place, but uh, it's it's a major thing right now. I looked through the book and I was blown away at what this middle, middle school student had access to, not just in my classroom, but in general, that uh, it, it just floored me, the uh, inappropriate uh, content that was uh, found in this book. And so I'm alarmed, like I'm thinking, like, like head down, Lord, I'm supposed to be a light in this place you know, that's really on guard. And I took that responsibility very um, 
greatly. Like it is a big deal to me to be an influencer of young people. And so I was wrestling in my soul like, Lord, I have failed. And so I called the mom, you know, and, uh, and I said, first off, I just want to apologize. And she interjected and she said, all I'm saying is he'd better never get in trouble in school for cussing. And I'm just like, okay, like that makes sense, right? But there's a deeper question there that we should probably be frustrated or at least just we should be asking so many questions right now. Like I've already covered why did this kid have access to the book, okay? Um, and two, why was the mom more alarmed at whether her student would get in trouble for cussing in school than the impact, the ideas in this book that are influencing kids? And, and, and so uh, this story, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, you, you don't miss the point. Um, it, it would be very easy, you know, to really grab a whole lot and start pointing fingers, yes, for me as a teacher, that it was being allowed, or the school in which the book took place, it's their fault. But the reality is, everyone in this room, <laughs> ideas are coming, our culture is speaking to us, whether it's through books, whether it's through TV, whether it's through music. If your student has a cell phone or access to some kind of device, they are being barraged with ideas. Uh, we've got screenagers. We've got a generation of kids that have grown up on screens. And they were kind of pioneers in this. How do we stay ahead of it? But the reality is, uh, it's not just in a classroom uh, where ideas are, being, are barraging our kids, but not only our kids, it's barraging us. It's barraging everyone who's sitting in pews around uh, the nation today. And, and so uh, we should be concerned, um, but uh, that's not the end of the story. So uh, I, I just also want you to uh, be thinking about these patterns uh, are very much in opposition to biblical truths, um, and they indicate that we are living in a post-Christian world. Okay, so uh, rather than finger-pointing, we need to get really good, like Daniel, or Ezra, or Nehemiah, or, or, or these um, exiles that got really good at living as minorities. We essentially, the one thing you can assume is that it is uncommon to think biblically. It is uncommon. We are here. And so anytime you begin to like stop and think, how is this impacting our kids today? That is an uncommon thought process. And I want to urge you to be uncommon and how you think about everything. And so that's actually what I'm going to uh, get into in just a moment. There are so many biblical parallels um, about being uncommon and really uh, to think biblically. And uh, I just, I, I did, I shared with you uh, just a little bit about Daniel and how he went about living in, uh, in exile. And I think that that speaks volumes for us today. Uh, that rather than complaining or, you know, pointing fingers about we're living in ex exile, it's the way it is. And rather, we need to get really good at thinking biblically regardless of the culture that we are living in and that our kids will ultimately have to engage. And so, uh, our school verse this 
this year is Romans 12.2, but I want to uh, elaborate just a little bit on um, Romans 12.1 and 2. So, Bo, if you could pull that up for me. So, Paul, uh, speaking to the, the Christians living in Rome, this would have included uh, Jewish believing Christians, but then also Gentiles, and uh, most of leading up to uh, chapter 12, Paul's been kind of laying out the simple gospel, talking about the righteousness of God, and then chapter, or chapter 12 in the early verses gets really, okay, what is our response? And so um, I'm going to read here, follow along with me if you would like. It's also up here on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. There are a couple takeaways that I want to focus in on today uh, as we reference these verses. Our proper Christian response is to be a living sacrifice. And so when Paul speaks here, therefore, that connects back to everything he's been talking about. In view of God's mercy, his righteousness, his grace, our response is to be a living sacrifice. Any of the Jewish believers that he would have been talking to would have really understood what living sacrifice meant. It would have carried great weight to them, right? Abraham offering Isaac, Jesus, the ultimate living sacrifice, that this is no half-in, half-out um, responsibility that we have as Christians, but rather it is a whole offering of ourselves to live uh, as a sacrifice. That we are to dedicate our bodies, our words, our actions as a sacrifice in light of everything that God has done for us. And right now, just kind of what I was speaking about, like, as far as the ideas that are influencing the church today, the most, um, I guess, ear-tickling or most tempting thing to do is to have one foot in a cultural worldview and another foot with your biblical worldview. So you're kind of caught in the middle ground between the two. And when I read this here, this isn't a dualistic call that, we, that we've been given it is a wholehearted, full-in, like game time. This is our response, that we are to live as a complete living sacrifice. And so this should have major implications for everything we say, we do, we think. We must reject dualism, the temptation to even think that God just comes to our story when we need Him. Our kids need to know that we, 
They are playing a role in the bigger story, and the author is the creator of the universe. It's kind of that thy will uh, be done. Over, it trumps our will every time. And uh, there's a quote, or it's actually a part of a song uh, from Torin Wells right now. Hard truths in ridiculous grace. Our kids need to know that. So often right now in this cultural moment, feelings are trumping truth. And we have to step in and equip kids that uh, acknowledge feelings. But they need to know that... <laughs> God's truth, it's full of hard truths. But it's also coupled with ridiculous grace, and for that I'm very thankful. Another takeaway, and this really kind of um, brings it home for uh, what it means to be uncommon. Right here in Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, right then and there, we're like, okay, so what does that mean? You know, what does it mean, don't conform? Does that just mean uh, I have to sit in my house and never allow my children to um, have friends who are... uh, outside of our church or, you know, outside of our school. No, I, I feel like that's, we, we really, and here I said I feel, I'm trying to really quit saying that, um, but rather we really want to know what kids think um, and uh, really try and um, get past this feeling uh, trumping everything. But um, we must think biblically about everything and that's kind of a tagline coming out of Biola University and uh, I think it's I mean really I've had people ask me you know what do you mean by Christian worldview this puts it in simple terms that we think biblically about everything and that should be um, that should be our go-to you know um, not conforming to the pattern of this world at times may be very unpopular. It may be even downright offensive. Our kids will experience that. You may have already been, you, you may experience that in your workplace already. Um, one in particular for me, a teacher I was working with, uh, you know, things had been kind of going really well. I'm like thinking uh, automatically right away, I knew that our uh, worldviews were very different from one another. But when asked, I gave a response on what my stance was on a current hot topic issue today. He was alarmed. He was deeply offended, um, busted out of my room, essentially saying, I've got to really think hard about this. I don't know if I can work with you. And in addition to the story I just shared with you, for me, that was a huge personal experience of, wow, we are here. Just by simply giving my stance, one that is very plain in Scripture, I offended somebody and I was tempted in that moment to cave to cultural feelings and begin to question God's whole story. Is this, 
Is the Bible true? Did you really create the universe? These kinds of questions that you probably, we tend to ask in hard times like this. And if I, as, you know, a 20, I still feel like a kid sometimes, but a 25-year-old, 26-year-old, I was trying to grapple with questioning everything I had ever known and believed in. If I, at 25, am doing that, our kids, it's, it's right in their face every day. And it's impacting you um, we must really be on our A game here. The word transform in verse 2 really comes across from the Greek as metamorphosis. So you really should think like a butterfly, a true changing, transforming from the inside, right? God's truth becoming more in tune with God's truth as Jesus is living inside of us, knowing whose we are. Letting that change us from the inside out. You see, culture today is shouting loudly. It's barraging. There is a war of ideas going on right now. And it is trying, these ideas will try and, uh, they they will try and uh, give external pressure to your kids. To get them to think culturally first. Feelings. And these have these have, uh, there are some big questions here. What does love mean? What's the true meaning of relationships? What does it mean to be a human being? All these big questions. Culture has a lot to say right now and they're screaming it. But we must focus in on God's word and let that transform us from the inside out. The renewing part here is an ongoing process, and I love that. I love that I'm not finished, a finished product yet. That I'm in process. That's what gets me up in the morning. And that's what I love about being a Christian education ministry. That's a lifelong learning process, that we engage our kids. This is what I get excited about. It's, it's kind of changed the game for me, but really focusing in on what the purpose of education is. And here we get to claim, uh, just very plainly speak right at it. The reason that we are in education is to learn more about God's truth that's revealed to us through the different subjects, not just Bible, but everything we are learning about is a learning experience about our Creator. The order and the beauty that is part of creation. We, get a, we, we, get an oppor- we have a great opportunity here. And I love to see kids get excited about but that is a philosophy of education that I can stand on. Not just to learn everything we possibly can of the world. And that's that humanistic barrage of ideas that um, are, are coming across so loud today. And so, what I mean by lifelong learning... You know, I, I didn't include the statistics, but you know, as far as... Uh, you know. How many Christians uh, there are today? How many people read the Bible? Uh, a lot of these, uh, these research studies, they're kind of skewed for the fact, what does it mean to read your Bible? Okay, Does it mean that you read it like on Easter uh, or at Christmas? But no, rather we need to be equipping ourselves and our families with Scripture. We need to be daily in His Word. We need to be daily praying. I would encourage you to read books. Um, if anything I have said to you today, 
alarms you or has maybe even changed a little bit of the way that you think about and how you're raising up your kids or how you're protecting your home during this cultural moment right now and equipping them, I would encourage you to um, start reading books. I've got, I'm going to mention a few of them here in just a moment. Um, I would encourage you, if you're ever driving in a car, if you ever walk or run anywhere, listen to podcasts. There are a lot of great resources out there on how you can equip yourself and then also have great conversations with your families about what it means to be uncommon to raise up a, uh, a family, another generation that walks out a life of faith, even if we're in cultural Babylon or in uh, a post-Christian world. There are a lot of resources out there. Seek wise counsel. Look around you. Find uh, a family who maybe is in a similar life season that you are, but that you see fruit in their life. You know, even just uh, one of the most refreshing things for me, because, you know, I'll admit, I was kind of going through a tough season with my faith. I had felt myself coasting uh, or or drifting downstream. You see, there are so many cultural uh, undercurrents right now. C.S. Lewis talks about it. The things that shouldn't alarm us or the things that alarm us shouldn't be what's in the headlines, but rather it's the assumptions, the things that are assumed. I began to feel or just know I had drifted in my Christian worldview. And I would imagine you may have had a similar experience yourself. But um, seek wise counsel. Find others who you see living this out. One of our uh, taglines here at HCC is get in the game. Get involved in a ministry. Get connected. Uh, you know, this, this um, battle of ideas, it's an intense one. And don't go at it alone. And I guess what I, I forgot to mention there is here at HCC uh, and around the Harrisonville Christian School, I myself have been built up by so many people, Pastor Mark, Pastor Brian, Pastor Keith, and that has been a, played a huge role in where I am today. Thank you guys. And so I would encourage you to find that um, for yourselves. Seek wise counsel. Um, Get in the game, like I said, involved in ministry. And then here at the Christian school, we've kind of started a new thing called Faith Talks. You know what? Parenting in this age is, is tricky. It's really tricky. And I'm just getting started. I'm so grateful to, that I'm surrounded by families that have kind of gone before me, you know, uh, around this church and around the school. I'm grateful. I'm watching. I'm taking notes, and you should be too uh, if, you, if you have a young family, because uh, my kids can already, I mean, seriously, it's like they came out of the womb knowing how to run an iPad. It's freaky, right? Okay? It's, um, but it's here. And um, I want to offer you encouragement here. We must stop looking at these kids as techno- technologically technologically distracted individuals, but rather we need to focus in on equipping them and arming them with the truth so that they can carry out God's purpose in this next generation. And so there's no blaming that needs to be done. There's no, we need to move past that and rather get in the trenches with these kids because they need some help. And uh, I am encouraged. We, uh, you know, we've got great kids. They're bright. Um, man, they're, they're, they're self-learners. They're, they're, they're go-getters. 
just a little bit different in how they go about it. And so um, I believe very firmly that God has not making a mistake by having our kids live in this generation, not for a second, but that he has a plan, a really big story that he has already claimed victory, and they get to play a part in it. It's just a different chapter. And so I encourage you uh, with this quote um, coming from Josh McDowell. I believe it comes from his book, Kingdom Education. I don't know if you know who Josh McDowell is, but he's a front-running apologist, and a lot of the stuff I've been listening to lately is coming from his son, Sean McDowell, very gifted speaker and apologist, another one of those examples of people uh, uh, that I would encourage you to listen to. The ideal way for our kids, or to help our kids, not only reject the postmodern worldview, but also embrace deepened Christian convictions, is to align our churches, our homes, and our schools into a unified front, whole, that arms our children with the truth and protects them from distortions. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. And uh, before I close, I do want to share a few resources with you today. Uh, this is by no way, in, in no way, shape, or form, uh, you know, I, it's not the full list. But these are just ones I wanted to share with you that have really been great uh, uh, pieces in addition to uh, the daily scripture reading that we're doing as a family and even in the evenings. Uh, don't mistake me, and this replaces that. Not for a second am I saying that. But there are, in this moment, a lot of people, there are bright individuals who are gifted. And I I truly believe that God is anointed just for such a time as this to help equip us as families. Okay? And one of these is think biblically. (laughs) I don't run run as often as I should, especially not the last year. But um, anyways, anytime I do, or anytime uh, my family, we're in the car going on a trip, we try and listen to a podcast. One of those podcasts is Think Biblically. Please write that down, uh, you know, if, if you're somebody who, who this is hitting home for. Um, once again, that comes out of Biola University, and Sean McDowell uh, is, the, is kind of the, the host there on that podcast. Great stuff. Breakpoint, I don't know if you've heard of Chuck Colson, but um, Chuck Colson... Um, for worldview. Anyways, this is a podcast that comes out of that. It's called Breakpoint. They have a new podcast like almost daily, and it's addressing cultural issues of today. This pivot book, uh, like I said, Mitch Schrock is the man. Uh, Mitch and Stacy, they bought uh, many of these just to have as a resource for not only our staff members, but families, uh, you know, whether you're a homeschool family, whether you send your kids to home, uh, or sorry, to public schools, or whether uh, you have, uh, you know, um, decided Christian education for your family, this pivot book is great. This is a great resource. I have some extra copies uh, if, if that interests you, but uh, it's great stuff. Also, a book I am uh, currently reading right now uh, from John Stone Street. It's called The Practical Guide to Culture. A lot of the stuff I've shared with you today kind of comes, mirrors his language there. And then Summit Ministries. If you have a teenager, if you have a student who's about to graduate high school, and anything I have said today hits home for you, I would encourage you to check out Summit Ministries. They do a really good job with um, uh, kind of a scope and sequence that really prepares kids 
to uh, think biblically. Um, uh, Biola University kind of partners with them. But to stand firm in the faith and to be prepared to um, grapple with hard questions. See, whenever we meet an uh, agnostic or an atheist who is well thought out, very articulated and skilled in debate, I would say that one of the, a big struggle for me was um, one of the, the things that will happen in those conversations is that um, those well thought out arguers will dismiss Christianity. Almost like the, the first approach is essentially to say, you go take a seat, uh, a seat over at the little kids' table. Over here at the big boy table, we're going to have um, rich dialogue. And that right there is, uh, actually it's a foul in uh, the argumentative game. And our kids need to be able to recognize it. They need to be trained and equipped to stand firm in their faith, to field hard questions, and to feel confident in their answers. And that's one thing that Summit Ministries, there's actually, it's called the Summit. It's in Manitou Springs. Uh, they, they, it's like a two-week-long stay for kids, and they just, um, I've heard nothing but great things. I wish that, that was something I would have taken advantage of. This is just a short list, but I want you to leave today encouraged and also feel like you left with some tangibles about what you and your family can do. And, um, you know, thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak. I'm going to go ahead and pray.